What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and so glad to be joining you the day after Christmas, two days after a wonderful win in Tennessee over the Nashville Titans, the Tennessee Titans, 19-14, on the road in the division. It's kind of nice, 2-1-1 one, one in the division. Hold on to a 17-point lead against the Colts. And you're 3-1 and one in division, which would be the best record in the division against the division. But I digress. Yes, it's been a tough season at 2-12-1, but a good win nonetheless. And this opportunity to talk with Andre Ware about this game and hang around for the end where I asked Dre about his afternoon spent with something in his lap. Just take a listen. Dre joins us, and Dre, what about that drive by Mills? He shook off a shaky third quarter to get the go-ahead drive in the fourth. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we it was it was a great drive. Uh, conversions, just kind of complementing the defense there, and they kept giving this offense so many opportunities to uh, to put the game away, to be in a position to win the game at the end, all of it. And I thought it was just a an overall good complementary game in terms of offense and defense, even throwing special teams in there in terms of field position at times. Uh, it was a game that could be had, and, and the way the Texans had played the previous two weeks against the Cowboys and the Chiefs, with as beaten up as the Titans were, you, you re- would go into that game feeling that they really had a pretty good chance, and they obviously took advantage of it. Dre, you and I both Greater Houston High School football products, and I feel like we're watching some of our brethren and the way they're playing with Obo Okoronkwo from A-Leaf, Jerry Hughes from out of the Fort Bend District, Jalen Petrie from Stafford. It feels like, and I know Jerry's not a young guy, but it feels like the young guys on this team and a lot of them coming from the city of Houston have really stood up, especially defensively. They hold Derrick Henry after the 48-yard run to about 70 yards on about 20 carries after the run. What do you think about the way those players have played, in particular the ones close to home here in Oboe and Petrie in particular? Yeah, you're talking about two guys that have really kind of cemented themselves as, you know, the future of this team, I would think. Uh, Oboe has just played some outstanding football. You could just tell in watching how the game transpires and when he's on the field, when a guy just, you know, a player like himself just loves to play the game. I mean, he is 100 miles an hour every time uh, the ball is snapped. He's given effort every single snap. Loves the game. And then with Jalen Petrie, I, I think when most rookies are have hit a wall and, and uh, start to slow down or – can't wait to see the finish line or whatever. He seems to be playing his best football. He gets better every time he's on the field. He's playing like he's been in the league about three or four years rather than obviously it being his first year. So uh, I don't know what pro what Pro Bowl qualifications or who does what and who votes on what, but if his name's not in it, then uh, they ought to stop doing it. Trey, the Texans take on the Jaguars on Sunday, as you know. Noon kickoff for that. Then the wrap-up against Indianapolis. So here they are. If they win one more game and the Bears don't win any down the stretch with these final two weeks, the Texans don't have the number one draft pick anymore. And a lot of fans are saying, well, wait a minute. Don't we want that after a bad season? You can't tell people to not play. you got to just play and win, right? I mean, how do you take this how do you regard this what is your overall opinion of the situation here 
I'd like to take that fan that thinks that way and drop him right in the Texan, right in the middle of the Texans locker room and have him give that. <laughs> and just see, just see how how well that goes over with the, that group of guys. I mean, they're playing for their futures. They're playing for you know right now and and future years and so on and so forth. So they're giving maximum effort. I, I've been on teams, guys, where guys have folded the tent and it was you know you know you're not going to make the playoffs at some point in the season. You fold it up and and. Uh, as a as a re, as a result, you're getting whipped down the stretch. That's not the case with this team. So I think it goes. Uh, it says a lot about the coaching staff. I think it says a lot about the players on the team uh, and, and everybody involved that they're still playing this hard uh, down the stretch of the season because the caliber of teams that they're playing are three teams that were headed to the playoffs and the Cowboys, Chiefs, and and uh, maybe not so much anymore but the titans as well you throw in that that batch but those are three teams that, that you think would be in the playoffs and the texas have gone toe-to-toe with with all three uh and i, I think that goes a long way of saying this coaching staff has them ready to play each and every week dre mark and i have been talking about this week for both the titans and the jaguars i'm gonna I'm, i think we're convinced the jaguars have got to come here and play they they they're a young group they got to keep playing together what would you do if you were Mike Vrabel? You're on a five five game losing streak now. Is that what it is? Five game losing yes. streak, and you play the Cowboys on a short week in a game that doesn't matter. The more I think about this, the more I I feel like I know what I'm going to do with my team. But what would you do if you're Mike Vrabel? If you got all that going on and you want to try and get some good reps and good playing before you go to Duval County to play a team that beat you by a couple touchdowns and it wasn't even that close. What do you do if you're Mike Vrabel this week against the Cowboys? First thing I do is I'm going to start Josh Dobbs. I mean, because that gives me that gives me the ability to throw the football. That that's the first the first move I'm going to make uh, in terms of getting some stability there. He you know he he hadn't played a whole lot, but when he's played, he's played well. He played well in the preseason for Pittsburgh. Uh, so well, so good that he was picked up. He was on the practice roster in Detroit uh, before uh, coming to Tennessee. But he kind of uh, he understands things. He's a smart. And I'm talking super smart kid. You talk rocket science stuff that he studied at uh, at the University of Tennessee. So he's that smart. He get a, he's grasped their offense, I'm betting, already after being there just maybe a week or so. But that's the move I would make first and foremost to give myself the ability to at least throw the football when I, when I want to do it. Andre Ware joining us. Dre, looking around the league a little bit. Well, actually, let's start with this Sunday's opponent because the Jaguars – defeated the Jets on Thursday night. And I guess the question is, and they control their destiny, obviously, down the stretch here, how good are they? How good can they be? Trevor Lawrence Mm. starting to find the rhythm here. Uh, They are surging. They're going to put the stiff arm on the Titans in all likelihood, but you never know. you got to play the games. We'll see how it goes. Stranger things have happened. Remember the Colts losing at Jacksonville in the final game of the regular season last year. So you tell me how good the Jags can be. Well, I think they've got to – I think they can be really, really good, Mark. Um, how good are they right now? So good that nobody wants to play them if they were able to get themselves into the playoffs. How good can they be going forward? They're going to add some components to an already talented young football team. And so I give them a head start on everybody in the division, a leg up right now, even with you know being tied with Tennessee in terms of record. I give them a leg up because they got it right at quarterback. Nobody in the division has gotten it right at quarterback yet. 
So when until then, uh, you got to favor Jacksonville. I don't know that anybody expected them to get off to the start that they did with Doug Peterson coming in, but I think everybody uh, may have looked at them and said, hey, they're talented enough to do exactly what they're doing right now, and that's run off a string of games, close the gap with Tennessee to tie it up for the lead in the division, and then get it to a point where uh, the last game of the season matters. The regular season does matter in the NFL, and and, uh, the Jags have proven that to be so. Okay, I know what I'm asking here, but I'm talking Mm -hmm. about right now. Right right now. now. Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Miami Dolphins go into a playoff game. Which quarterback are you trusting right now more? Tom Brady? To a tongue of Iowa, thinking what, about what kind of question is it? The Look greatest, at, the did, greatest quarterback of know, all time, or a guy who threw three picks I'm in the fourth quarter about, yesterday? That's why I'm asking it right now, okay? Trey, because Tom right Brady now, looks. I'm talking about the credentials, Tom right, Brady, the, the right. seven Super okay. Bowl Tom Brady. He's I'm talking, talking about, about the... right this minute how he's playing, and I'd still take him because okay. <laughs> maybe not until yesterday, but you know, Tua Tua showed some some cracks in the foundation a little bit yesterday, and every quarterback's going to have a game like that. But I would still take Tom with the experience. If you get healthy around him, uh, I think he's going to play much better, especially up front. And they lost another offensive lineman yesterday uh, to mm. injury, I think, to a knee injury. So it, that's that's been the problem. I, I think Tom still is talented. I think physically he can still put the ball in places that, that most can't. But it's the health around him that that is – starting to reflect on him. And that's all playing quarterback is. How good are you around the position to make that position look good? It, it, it was wild yesterday because they're playing Arizona, which is kind of a dead team right now. But they wanted to win yesterday. Primetime game. They were putting together an effort. McSorley, we can get to him another time. But Brady's down 10. Brady and the Buccaneers down 10 in the fourth quarter. And he just makes the plays. And Collinsworth made a good point. Look, you don't have – it's two years ago you had Gronk and you had Antonio Brown. You had massive weaponry there that you don't have today. Hold on. You've yeah. got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin you got Fournette, Rashad White. Cry me a river had, about not having have weapons. No, you have you better no ones. offensive yeah. line. Yeah, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's the, the point. problem. You, that's you, the you problem. can have all the skilled position players that you want. If you can't protect, and you're not talking about – I mean, Tom's never been fleet of foot where he's going to make somebody miss in the pocket and still get the ball out. It needs to be somewhat clean uh, for a, just a fraction of a second or two. And then the mm-hmm. ball's out. But when you don't have that and you're seeing constant pressure and you're playing with guys that, you know, as in terms of running backs that, that aren't picking up when, when Fournette's not in the game, they're susceptible to, to giving up sacks with and not being able to protect them from the running back spot. So uh, Gronk's gone, his security blanket in the red zone. That's not there this year. It's always been there or the past however many years, 10 or so years. That makes it tough to play quarterback. Okay, I've got one for both of you. Okay. I want to get your gut reaction to this and then tell me what you do. Okay, I'm just going to read this to you. Okay. Two first-round picks. Oh, gosh. Two second-round picks. Yes. A fifth-round pick. Make the pick, deal. Make the deal. Three, hold on. Three additional players, $165 million guaranteed. That is what the Broncos gave up for Russell Wilson. Here's the question for both of you, Dre, you first. Uh, don't make what the deal. What? <laughs> Unfortunately, the deal is done. What do you do now if you're the Broncos? Hey, uh, I, real quick, and I'll answer that question. 
But yeah. you're talking to a guy that's addicted to Family Feud, so in that moment, I felt like I hit the buzzer too fast about <laughs> yeah. the entire Dude. question being read. <laughs> and Steve Harvey said, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he gave me the look. He gave yeah. me the look. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do now? Because it isn't, oh, I'm not doing that deal. It is done, and you're saddled with him, and he looks awful. I mean, he, it looks, he looks, what do you guys do? Dre, what do you do? I think you got to give it one more year at the least. Uh, mm. I just don't know if how well co- you know, if they're well coached or coached well enough to actually win. Um, it, mm. At times, especially early in the season, they just looked like you know they were being outsmarted at every every turn in a football game, and so that in and of itself, when you're ill prepared, when you when the other team seems to know what move you're going to make before you make it. Uh, that's that's tough, and so I, I think you've got to let this thing take another turn in 23, and see where you are. And after that, if it looks anything familiar to what it looks or how it looks right now, that's when you've got to make some changes. How much money can you save by either ha- trading him or or cutting him or having him take a pay cut, um, and then you you look for new leadership as well. So Dre, look, you talk about fit a lot, and I agree with this, and evidence is there in, in the form of Baker Mayfield and Sean McVay, and I know it didn't go great at Green Bay last Monday night, but man, oh man, two of the games have been outstanding for Baker Mayfield, and I was wondering yesterday, what if you dropped Russell Wilson in the middle of Rams Kingdom with uh, Sean McVay coaching Russell Wilson right now? Would that be a fit? I don't know. To me, it looks like Russell Wilson doesn't see it the same way anymore on the field, but I don't live in his body, but what do you make of fit in this situation, and maybe Wilson needs another offensive coordinator or something else? Yeah, and and that may be on the way as well. They may ask Nathaniel Hackett to to just concentrate on, you know, game day or in game stuff rather than also calling plays. So he may be forced to to give up play calling duties and 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 do that. But yeah, it fits everything. Fit and you know you look at what Baker Mayfield is able to do. The fit and then you match it with the right coach. Uh, and fit being the right offense, but the right coach that knows how to coach it up and call it uh, in game, that, that is all that matters. And so you have guys that are doing it for the first time that magically they're able to move their teams. And you have guys that have done it for a while that still can't get it right. Um, it's, it's everything. And it's trust involved in that as well. When you look at what Baker's doing, I don't see – You've got a deep ball thrower and a guy that likes to push the ball down the field and Russell Wilson in a West Coast offense that is check it down, uh, take the short to intermediate throws and, and live with those and let's move the, move the team down the field in that manner. Uh, it's, it's like oil and water right now in, in Denver, and it's, it's tough to watch, to be quite honest. All right, this this is for both of you as well. We get to this point in the season where the playoffs are on the horizon. You know, Some teams have already clinched in the playoffs, and – there's always that one team in both conference that you look at and go, I'll tell you what, I don't want to play those guys right now. I don't want to see them anywhere on my playoff grid at all. Who's that team, either, either conference, who's that team for you guys that you look at if you're, a, if you're a Buffalo or you're a Kansas City or you're a Philadelphia that you go, you know what, I don't want to play that team 
those guys scare me. Even though the record might not be what it is, yeah. who's that one team for you? So, so you're looking for like an eight and seven, seven and eight yeah. kind of team right now, right? Maybe not even in the play. Maybe not even. Maybe they're just in the hunt right now. But it's a team. I'll give you one. You're sitting there going, I don't want to face them at all. I'll give you one. It's a huge brand name, but they don't have the record. They're sub 500 currently, I know what but you're they are say. on a roll. The Green Bay Packers, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Lafleur has mm-hmm. not lost a game in the month of December in his career in Green Bay. Whoa. Yeah. And Whoa. they are charging hard right now for the postseason. They took apart the Dolphins in the fourth quarter yesterday. Look, Tua's psychological problems, I don't know what the heck happened, but guess what? They came up with the clutch plays in a game where the Dolphins really needed to get right and they couldn't do it. I think the Packers are going to be a scary team in the postseason. They will not host a game because they're going to be a wild card team if they make it. But I like their chances to make it. They'll play the Vikings this weekend. Then who do they have in the wrap-up? They've got, uh, let's see, they played the Lions in the last Ooh, game oh, yeah. at home. So I like their chances of getting in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both, both those games are home games for the Packers and a good one. I would go, I've got one in each. I would okay. go the Jags. Because they're mm-hmm. young enough to not know what they don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they don't know any better. And they, yeah. they're just going to go out and play hard. And, and hey, it feels good to win right now. And, and everybody's riding a high. Uh, that opening week, and with it being the Jags, you don't, you don't want to be the team that they upset. And then now you're, you know, you got to answer all these questions. So that's, that's an aggravating matchup for anybody that gets them if they're able to make the postseason. And then another team that's just fickled beyond belief. But then you look up, and as Bill Parcells would say, your record is what you what you know what it says you are. You yeah. are what your record says you are. That's the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they played mm-hmm. some outstanding football. Who wants to line up across from Justin Jefferson? That the clip he's going, I think he's going to go over two thousand yards in the last couple of games because he's just been at a hundred thirty, hundred fifty here and there uh, for the last couple of mm-hmm. weeks. I think he break. I think he finds some receiver finally goes over two thousand yards, and and I think he's got a pretty good chance to do it. But I don't. I wouldn't want to face the Minnesota Vikings. You don't know which which team's going to show up if you're a fan of theirs. But if the right one shows up, then you you're in a football game. Jefferson's the best receiver in the league right now, right? Yes. Okay. Trey. Yes. Uh, no doubt. There's no doubt okay. about it. He's All ridiculous. Right. All right, Dre, Tax Act Texas Bowl coming up. You're going to call it on ESPN Wednesday night at 8. Johnny's got the radio call. Look at you guys. I'm going to watch on TV at home and have the radio on and and just compare, like how both you guys do here. Uh, It's Texas (laughs) Tech and Ole Miss. You're going to be great. I'll have have a complete report the next day on Texans All Access at 6. So uh, tell me, Dre, your thoughts on the matchup as you dive a little bit deeper into it with Ole Miss taking on Texas Tech. Yeah, I love the matchup. I love what uh, fans are going to get. And when the matchup came down, you immediately start to think offense. To, um, Ole Miss can run it. They're one of the better teams in the country in terms of production on the ground. And Texas Tech is kind of what it's always been. They can spread you out. They, they've got multiple receivers that have had outstanding years. Tyler, Tyler Shuck, I think, has got a, a huge arm, uh, an NFL-type arm, and loved him last year. The start that he had against the Cougars in that the first game of the opening game of the season, and then he got hurt, <clears throat> so you didn't see him after that. But the moments I saw and what I've seen on film, uh, he has got an NFL type arm. So this will be loaded with fireworks. It's uh, one of the better matchups I think this bowl has had in quite some time, and it'll be quite entertaining. And if you like quarterbacks and you like 
future NFL draft quarterback. Jackson Dart's going to be a fun guy to watch. Mm -hmm. Dre mentioned Tyler Shuck. He's got a cannon. And we might be watching this. This running back draft class in 2023 is shaping up to be one of the best ones, led by Bijan. I mean, it's an incredible class. This dude that we're about to watch on Wednesday night, Quinshawn Judkins, Mm -hmm. he might be better Mm -hmm. than all of them. He is a he's a legit legit dude. Okay, I want to get to this. All right. Okay, I want to get to this. Do it. So Andre, Mark posted a picture on Twitter. <laughs> oh, on Christmas Day, he posted I a picture. Know where this is going. Yeah, I I want to know how you made it through the game on Saturday in Nashville because your partner up there likes the door open and you <laughs> don't. <laughs> So how did you make it through on Saturday? <laughs> He's holding the space heater like a baby. It's his child. Uh, I uh, kind of caressed the space heater for, for the better part of the game. You gave it a bottle. Feet wouldn't get warm. I mean, it, it, he he has to fill the elements. It's so he uh, said. Yeah. It's over. It's an overrated experience for me at this point, but and I want nothing to do with it. So the open window part was only on one part of the booth, his side. Mine was closed, like the nor- a normal human being would have it on a six degree day in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So that mixed with a, a space heater, uh, we I think we call one hell of a game. Yeah, yeah, we we had a fun broadcast. There's no doubt. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you know what the interesting thing is. In the three coldest games in Texans history, they're three and zero. Yeah, three and zero. How about that? They're three and zero in the in the worst weather conditions. Now, I should rephrase: worst weather conditions. You guys, you, I think, seem, you guys always remember that. I'm gonna see if I can. I can. I know one. That one would be obviously Saturday against Tennessee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The other that comes to mind for me would be Chicago when yes, they didn't have mm-hmm. carpet down or they just read three or and no heat finished, in the booth at all. No oh. heat in the booth. And no windows just to close. It's under just a, your feet. Yeah, you could just it's lower the crazy. garage door kind of thing. That's it. And yeah. then you can't see. So there, there it is. That's it. No and option. then the third would be Pittsburgh. When nope. The Green Bay. Did... Okay. Green Bay. So that yeah, Pittsburgh the... game was cold, too. It was. You're right. That Pittsburgh game where they had the three defensive yeah, touchdowns yeah. in the inaugural yeah. season, there was snow yeah. on the ground. Uh, it was, it, you know, we were like, hey, snow. You know, yeah. we're Houstonians, so it's yeah. cool to see snow. But that was cold, too. i got to look up the temperature for that. But uh, the three coldest, Green Bay, Chicago, and last Saturday, and they're 3-0 in Green those Green Bay 08, because 16, we had snow. Right. But right. It, was not, it was not overly cold. It was right. just a wet snow. So by the end of it, my feet were just Two of those three lived in our division. So you were going there at some point yeah. uh, whether, you know, at, with cold weather at some point in the season. Uh, it's crazy. Dre, thanks so much for joining us. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Looking forward to seeing you Wednesday night. Tax Act, Texas Bowl. Thanks a lot. Same to you guys. Look forward to it. So there's a longer story that goes with the heater. On Friday before we left, because we were leaving early, I had to record radio. So I was in the studio recording radio on Friday when I heard the door open. And I look, and Mark walks in. He's got his travel bag. And he's got this space heater. And this thing is maybe, I don't know, it's a, maybe 18 inches tall. And I'm like, at first I thought, what are you? And then I went, that's for Dre, isn't it? And he goes, yes. He went by Dre's house, picked it up, brought it to him. And then I see the picture, and Dre's literally got it in his lap while the game is going on. It was that cold. And he had it in his lap. Uh, it's a funny story. So hopefully you guys enjoyed 
That and you will enjoy John McClain. He joins me next right here on Texans All Access. First down, Chargers at their 38. Herbert, shotgun, one back, Jackson. Five men across the front for the Texans. Herbert takes the snap. Herbert with time, floats the ball. It's intercepted. Thomas, left side, 40, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. To the house. Pick six. Merry Christmas. Mills takes the snap, takes a knee, and it is over at NRG Stadium. A magnificent upset victory for the Houston Texans who come together to throttle the Chargers 41-29. to The Texans win their fourth of the year with a trip to San Francisco next week. It was a great day one year ago today. So, you know, two years in a row we're taking care of this Christmas holiday with wins against good football team. Chargers just missed the playoffs last year, and we'll see what happens to the Titans. Boy, it's interesting stuff because they've got the Cowboys on Thursday then you got the Jaguars with us on Sunday. Neither team needs to win the game because it's all about the AFC South Championship on Sunday the 8th in Jacksonville. That's going to be kind of interesting. So, speaking of Nashville, somebody that knows Nashville pretty well is our good friend John McClain. We caught up with him, talked about all things Texans and throughout the NFL and the AFC South. In general, your thoughts on the Texans beating the Titans? I thought it was a tremendous performance. I was happy for Lovey Smith, Pep Hamilton, Frank Ross, all the position coaches. Those guys worked their butts off behind the scenes, and there were the players every day, the position coaches. And I was happy for the players. You know, Tennessee needed to win, and people say, well, they played Malik Willis. Well, they played Ryan, St- Ryan Tannehill up there last year. They beat him. They've had six interceptions now and seven turnovers in their last two games in uh, Nashville. And they beat them when they needed it. You know, the Titans are beaten up. The Texans are beaten up, too. That's one thing that amazes me. I thought the Dallas game was a fluke. Cowboys weren't getting up. And then missing six starters against the Chiefs to go to overtime. They win this. They're certainly capable of winning out. And they've beaten Jacksonville nine in a row. Jaguars five and a two. Trevor Lawrence, 14 touchdowns. One interception during that stretch. But their game's going to come down to the last game against the Titans with the winner winning the division. So the Texans have a chance to win out. I'm guessing Indianapolis going with, with uh, Nick Foles. He may play well. And people go, well, why in the world didn't they play him before? And uh, But we'll find out tonight when they play the Chargers. But based on the way the Texans have been playing lately, they're playing hard. And uh, I think they could win the last two. I'm certainly not predicting it, but they could. So, General, were you happy for me and Mark, too? I mean, we've been through all this, yeah, too. John. Were you happy for us? I, I mean, didn't you're happy give for a rant. You know what about you guys. <laughs> you guys got You guys get paid for stealing, just like me. I get paid for stealing because what we do, talking about sports, is not worth Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it's you, true. No, you're right Don't about tell that. anybody. I know that's true. I know, I know. We, we of course, we're, shh. yeah, exactly. Uh, General... We were talking about this earlier with the Titans and the Jaguars this week, with the results, with the Jaguars beating the Jets and us beating the Titans, making them even, essentially setting up a Week 18 AFC South championship game. 
if you were the Titans and or the Jaguars, would you treat this as much as you could like a bye week? How would you treat this on each side? I would do everything I can to win if I'm the Titans because they've lost five in a row. They've got a lot of injuries. They're playing a lot of backups in their offensive line. Those guys need to play. Malik Willis needs the the experience of throwing the football. And Derrick Henry, it's not like he's wearing down. Texans did a great job against him except for one play. Uh, gave up 3.5 yards of carry on the other 22. And so if you're the Titans, you need to win. You need some momentum for that last game at Jacksonville. And you're Jacksonville. You're on a roll. You've won five of your last seven. You don't want to do anything that's going to hinder that momentum. John, I don't know if we talk enough about the fact that the Texans have using have been using two quarterbacks for the past three games. And it's not like they're this offensive monster with this system. But it's interesting because as the play-by-play guy, I'm like, all right, who's it this snap? You know, they were going every other snap for a while in the Titans game. Very strange, interesting stuff. And I got a feeling they're going to keep doing it. Your thoughts on this? I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it in the NFL. I'm sure it's not unprecedented, but I can't think of a time where I've seen a team do it like that. Well, you weren't born when Tom Landry was rotating two quarterbacks every other play, and he would give the play and they would run in Don Don Meredith Meredith and Eddie LeBaron, and uh, then Don Meredith and was it Craig Morton or Staubach and Morton? He did. He Landry did that, and it was maddening. If you were a fan, I don't like it anymore. I thought it caught uh, the Cowboys off guard. It worked well. But Davis Mills, I tell you, Mills was awful in the third quarter, and he was awesome in the fourth quarter. He had every pass on his last two scoring drives, and you wonder why in the world can't he do that more often like he did at the end of last season? Well, one of the things on those two scoring drives, he played every play. They didn't put Jeff Driscoll in. Driscoll's last play, he didn't do squat. I want Mills in there. I want Mills in there the whole game because Mills has a future. Driscoll does not. And uh, Mills needs all the time he can get to throw the ball and try to give him some consistency. Now, I don't think he's going to be a starting quarterback next year. He might be first game, first couple of games, depending on the development of their first draft choice. But uh, I want to see Mills because they have their best chance to win with Mills, not Driscoll. John, I don't want to send, make the uh, defense sound like it's going to be the 85 Bears at some point, but you had Jake Hansen with the strip, and he's played very well at linebacker. You had Christian Harris, who has played extremely well. He had the pick. You have Jalen Petrie, who's arguably the best defensive player we've seen in, in, in a while. He's been incredible. You had second-year Roy Lopez playing his guts out. Obo Karanko is still a young dude. Um, who has really risen. John Grenard is in year three, and he was he was very present. It feels like this defense, the future of it is maybe brighter than we thought maybe five, seven weeks ago. What are your thoughts about where this young defense can end up going with what, the, with what we've seen from these pieces already? They've given up the fewest touchdown passes in the NFL. Their quarterback rating is, is good, uh, even though they're – I don't know what – I'm guessing they'll be last against the run again. But when you give up a lot of yards rushing, usually the game's close. You don't get blown out. They haven't been blown out much. And uh, they had those games up until they got to the Titans and got just abused that they could have won in the fourth quarter. And I think that their lack of talent 
uh, or their lack of not enough talent showed when they lost in the fourth quarter to better teams. And you mentioned Roy Lopez. He started off where Kurt Heinish, Big Heine, was playing ahead of him. Yep. Now Lopez is playing better. I don't understand why. You know, sometimes you get new position coaches. They come in, they want you to do something different. But Lopez has played better. It's too bad Nico Collins has been hurt. This is two times. Jonathan Grenard, you know, it's two years he's been hurt. Next year's his contract here. If he could stay healthy and avoid a serious injury, he can get 10 to 12 sacks. He's a really good pass rusher. Watching Ogbo come on the way he has is kind of been amazing. And they still need help. They still need a pass rusher, and they still need a tackle. You guys mentioned I was listening, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson would look great in this defense, but they're not going to get them because they got to have a quarterback. You can't have the same quarterbacks next year as you have now and expect to show significant improvement. But based on the draft drafts that Nick Casario has had now, it bodes very well for the next one with 11 picks, two ones. The Browns and Watson did their part yesterday by losing, and um, they need the Browns to lose their last two games, of course. But I, I'm already excited about next year. Don't know who's going to be the coach. Don't know who's going to be the quarterback. It's just there's enough young players on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense, to be very encouraging. Absolutely. Got a lot of good young players, and it's nice to see the performances really improve, including the win against Tennessee on Saturday, which sent them to their fifth consecutive loss. John, worst meltdown. Titans, five consecutive losses. Dolphins, four consecutive losses. I know five is more than four. I can do that basic math. But what is more damaging in your opinion? Oh, the Dolphins by far. The Titans are there in the situation they're in. Think if the Texans lost their left tackle, they lost their center, their left guard, and then they lost their starting right guard, and they had to go with all backups. And then, then you lose your quarterback, and you're going with Jeff Driscoll. Where would they be offensively? And um, – for Miami, I can't figure. Two of throw, throwing those three interceptions in the fourth quarter, it looked like one was the fault of a receiver. The other two were his fault. An interception had not been an issue with him. Plus, I don't think anybody thought much about the Titans' chances in the playoffs. But based on the way Miami had played in a really good performance at Buffalo in bad weather, I thought, well, maybe they can win a game on the road in bad weather. But, man, they just looked terrible. General, Baker Mayfield in three games with the Rams has looked pretty good. Two games he's looked good, John. Okay, two games. second one he was awful. Yeah, well, in the two games that they've won, he has made some plays. What is his future in 2023? Don't see it being with the Rams because Matthew Stafford will be back. There's an example of a quarterback who goes with a coach, who plays a system and can coach quarterbacks it's like Kyle Shanahan. Kyle's doing a great job. I mean, my goodness, they've won eight in a row. They've won three in a row with Brock bleeping Purdy from Iowa State. And so they're coaching Mayfield up. Mayfield's been on his best behavior. He hadn't said anything stupid. He hadn't done anything stupid because he and his agent know that uh, he's about to be on his fourth team next year. And uh, But I think 
the key is for him to have more than one team interested. Would the Rams want him back as a backup? Possibly. Would he be a backup behind Matthew Stafford, who was hurt a lot this year and is getting older? Possibly. If I'm a quarterback and I go to a situation that is good for me with the coach, with the, the head coach, the coordinator, and the quarterback coach, and the play caller, and I got to be a backup and wait my opportunity, give me that over a chance to start for a bad team for more money. General, thanks so much for joining us. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We look forward to Same catching to up Same to you later guys. Thank you, and I look forward to talking to you Thursday. Love having the general on with us. John McClain right here on Texans All Access. Coming up, Spencer Tillman. Boy, he is tremendous on Inside the Game on Saturday, mostly Sunday evenings, but I think they moved to Saturday after the win over uh, Tennessee. So we'll talk to him next. Spencer Tillman right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment this Monday edition of Texans All Access celebrating the win over Tennessee a couple days ago on Saturday. And we got a lot of fans out there. We had a lot of fans in Tennessee. But I got to give some props to today's biggest Houston fan. That's Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N. These guys are doing big things in Houston. As the world's number one indoor comfort provider, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Learn more at Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, DaikinLovesHouston.com. And growing up, I was a big fan of our next guest when he was with the Houston Oilers, and that is Spencer Tillman, living out some dreams, getting a chance to talk to Spencer each and every Monday, and we did that again, and Spencer had some thoughts, obviously, about this win over Tennessee. Spence, what did you make of what you saw as the Texans have been playing well? They've been taking teams down to the wire, not able to close. Two good teams in Dallas and Kansas City most recently. This time, they make the plays in the fourth quarter. I think I make out of it what you kind of alluded to with Jake Hansen. I mean, in creating that fumble, then Jonathan Grenard steps up and makes a tremendous play. I think he is a catalyst on that front. Uh, obviously, I've been bullish on Malik for a long time. But then when Jonathan's added to that mix, you can actually change the surface. And what I'm referring to as the surface of the front is to how it looks. I mean, you know, John, you know that every front has to be has to have integrity, right? You line them up in positions to play with gap responsibility. Well, with the Jonathan Grenard, because of his quickness and his ability to disrupt and be a part of a, a reduced front or something that doesn't look like it has integrity, you can play around with the surface. And that's exactly what you need to be able to do against a Derrick Henry, a team like the Titans that predicate itself success on running the football. If you disrupt your front and you affect the way they intend to block things, uh, now it's tough getting that uh, trap block scheme that they have. It's pretty damn salty. But ultimately, I think the Texans have an answer for that. And, and he, Jonathan was just a, a catalytic player. I mean, the guy was knifing in there, being disruptive, doing some cool things. And so I, I just like what his addition is to this team. First time he's been healthy. You know, the first time this team has had as many healthy players on the field in a long time, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. All right, Spencer, nobody's throwing a party for 212-1 at all. We, uh, we all know that. And we are all, you know, you know, analysts and looking at the team and know that it's not good enough to be 212-1. But the way this team has played the last four or five weeks, especially defensively, what are your thoughts about finishing up strong going into 2023? And we know there will be a lot of changes going into 2023. But how important, A, is it to finish strong? And, B, 
What do you think about young players? We had the the call of Jake Hansen forcing that fumble. An undrafted rookie who has made a lot of plays. The future of this team with the young players, in particular defensively, that we've seen show up, especially on Saturday against the Titans? Yeah, that's a great question. Every season is a long audition, right? And when you have one season where you're struggling like this, it becomes a, a should become a blind long audition. That's where you throw all of the biases you may have uh, of a particular player or scheme that he aligns himself with, and you just have to get down in the weeds and say, "This is he the best that we have at this? Can we do better? You have to be really critical, and that's what they're involved in right now and have been for a long time, and that will get even more tense as we get into the offseason and, uh, and focus on the drafts. And so that's what you've got to do. You've got to be critical. But I will say this. Teams are a lot like uh, democracies, guys. And maybe this analogy helps people. Uh, you know, it, in order for them to work at a high level, you've got to have a particular disposition. This team could not be where it is and have played the last three games effectively like they have competitively and then ultimately ending up in a win against a division rival who had everything to play for, you don't get to that point without having a particular disposition. And that disposition is a willingness to play hard for whoever it is that's leading that team. In this particular case, it's Lovey. And so not to lose that down the stretch when you had one win at one particular time for the majority of the season, I think it speaks a lot for the character of the players, first of all, and their willingness to follow a leader who has both a shepherd, a sage, and he's not a tyrant. He's just the antithesis of that, the opposite. That says a lot about the leadership that you have in place. Now you got to focus on the talent and then what can you do to raise that and keep it healthy long enough to manifest that into wins. And so that's a process, but it's something they've got to go through. What is your reaction to the Titans losing five in a row and the surge of the Jacksonville Jaguars who are coming in here on Sunday, Spencer? Well, if you look at the common denominator, Mark, it's, it's injuries, right? That's what the Titans have had to deal with. And for a longer stretch, is what the Texans have had to deal with. So it, it, it reached a, a, a tipping point for this Titans team that they played on, on Saturday, and it, it met, started to manifest itself in consistent losses. Well, the Texans were mired in that for nine straight weeks, right? So they know what that's like firsthand. It comes down to players playing the game, guys. I don't care who you are. We can sit here and pontificate, and fans can have their opinions. They're certainly entitled to it. But as an analyst, I'm going to look at what I see, and I'm going to say what I see. I think the Texans team is a very solid team right now. Not the team good enough to win, uh, say, three, four, five games in a row as of two, three weeks ago. But as of three weeks ago, they that competitive edge started to manifest itself in the consistency in their play. And so I say what I see. And I agree with Lovey. I think no one would want to play this team right now. They've got nothing to lose. They've got everything to gain and get better. And I just think that they're really in a good place in terms of identifying who they are and getting a good plumb line for where they need to go moving forward. All right, that's going to do it for Monday's show. A big thanks to Andre Spencer and John McClain, of course, my partner Mark Vandermeer, and all of you guys for listening. We will see you tomorrow right here on Texans All Access. And as always, go Texans.